Good morning, everybody. I hope you're doing well and your families are safe wherever they are. We are facing or we are going through an unprecedented time. And the Bible says that God is everything for the good of those who love Him and who are called according to His purpose. I was uh, reading an article written by an Italian pastor. He's a pastor of an evangelical church. And what he said is uh, this crisis has taught him three things. And you know that Italy is one of the countries which has been ravaged by this coronavirus. And what he said is, uh, the first thing that he mentions is, uh, it has taught him to lament and pray. And what he says is, the Bible speaks of lamenting and praying. There are Psalms, which are Psalms of lament. And he says that largely the Western world or the Western churches have not really gone through things like persecution. They've not seen poverty which are things that uh, the churches in Asia and Africa have seen very often. So he says that uh, the churches there in Italy are today learning to lament and pray. And the second thing that he says is that uh, they have learned to really intercede on behalf of other people. Now, because there is someone or the other that they know in their circles who is either losing their life or who is impacted, uh, the churches and people are coming together to intercede and pray for one another and begging for God's mercy. And the third point what he says is that uh, they are learning to wait on the Lord while they are praying. Uh, because, because there's nothing that anybody can do. Even the doctors and the medical system is quite helpless at this point of time. And he says that as they are praying and as people are dying and as people are getting impacted, they're learning to wait on the Lord because God answers in His perfect time and not at our beck and call. In fact, oftentimes when we go through crises like this, we often run to God and rightly so. Uh, we also sometimes tend to become more spiritual. We sometimes, maybe we all read our Bible more. We all pray more. Uh, we come together as a church. Uh, right now we can't come together physically but virtually. All these things are good. But what does the Lord really require of us? What is it that He is looking forward to from His people? I was recently reading through the book of uh, Zechariah. And when I came to chapter 7, it really caught my attention. And uh, for today, I thought we can look into Zechariah chapter 7. It's a short chapter. And let's look at what the Lord is trying to say. I'll first read from verses 1 to 3. It says, uh, Zechariah chapter 7, verses 1 to 3. It says that in the fourth year of King Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah on the fourth day of the ninth month, which is Chislev. Now the town of Bethel had, shen, had sent Sharizer and Regimelech and their men to seek the favor of the Lord, speaking to the priests who belonged to the house of the Lord of hosts and to the prophets, saying, Shall I weep in the fifth month and abstain as I have done these many years? Now, King Darius was one of the successors of uh, King Cyrus the Great, who allowed his people to return from their exile uh, back to their land. And eventually, they also get the permission to begin work on the construction of their temple. Now, the temple construction had stopped because of some lo local opposition. And uh, later, God uses people like uh, Haggai, Prophet Haggai and Zechariah to go back and motivate people and get them to restart the work on the temple. Now, it says in verse 2 that the town of Bethel had sent two people and they meant to seek the favor of the Lord. And what is the favor of the Lord that they are seeking? 
it says that uh, uh, their question is, shall I weep or shall we weep in the fifth month and abstain as I have done these many years? Now, what is this weeping all about? It speaks about, uh, shall I weep in the fifth month? And if we read further, uh, verse 4, it says, Then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, saying, Say to all the people of the land and to the priests, When you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months these seventy years, was it actually for me that you fasted? In fact, Nebuchadnezzar besieged Jerusalem in the fourth month of the previous year. He penetrated the city in the fifth month, and the temple was burned, and in the seventh month, Gedaliah, the Jewish governor, was assassinated, and the remnant fled. So this is what they're trying to remember when they are fasting and mourning. Now, is fasting really bad? No, not at all. But what is God trying to say? God is saying, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months these 70 years, was it actually for me that you fasted? So God didn't ask them to fast. What God is trying to say, tell them is that this fasting and this feasting were created by you. It was a ritual that you instituted without me in the picture. But what did God really want them to do? Now, he had told them a couple of things even before they went into exile, things that they were supposed to do. Now, they didn't do any of that which is why they went into exile. And now when they have come back, they want to do certain things which they themselves had instituted. In fact, if you read uh, verse 6, it says, when you, uh, it says, uh, sorry, verse 5, it says, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months, these 70 years, was it actually for me that you fasted? And then it goes on. When you eat and drink, do you not eat for yourself? And did you not drink for yourselves? Now, what God is saying is that the fasting that you do, you're doing without me in the picture. The feasting that you do, all the feasts, all the festivals that they did, you did it without me in the picture. And verse 7 says, Are not these the words which the Lord proclaimed by the former prophets when Jerusalem was inhabited and prosperous around its cities, along with its cities around it, and the Negev and the foothills were inhabited? Now, when Israel was prosperous, at that time itself, God used to repeatedly send prophets into their midst. And he would send them to warn them. He would send them to correct them. But they never heeded any of that. And now, when they went into exile, even after they have come back from the exile, they are still sticking on to some of these rituals and not really obeying the Lord for all that he has reminded them across these years. In fact, uh, when we look into the Bible, when we look into these portions, especially in the, in, the, in, the, in, in, the, in the prophecies which are prior to this, we find that God has repeatedly been pleading with these people to set their life in order. And he repeatedly tells them that he's not interested in their rituals. He, what God really wants from his people is repentance. And in fact, right from the time of Judges, you find that, you find all the prophets, every prophecy in the Bible, every, every book that is written in the Bible is all about God pleading with his people and, and, and begging them to turn from their wicked ways and turn to God. But they, but they didn't want to do that. They were more interested in these rituals. So they wanted to keep God on one hand and they wanted sin on the other hand. And they thought 
God can be pleased with these rituals. In fact, what we'll do is we'll just look at a um, few, uh, few, few verses in some of the earlier prophecies to see how God was warning his people. So first we can turn to the book of Micah. Let's go to the book of Micah chapter 2. Now, in the book of Micah chapter 2, it, uh, it starts like this. It says, Woe to those who scheme iniquity, who work out evil on their beds when morning comes. They do it, for it is in the power of their hands. They covet fields and then seize them, and houses, and take them away. They rob a man and his house, a man and his inheritance. Now, this is the kind of wicked stuff that the, that the, that the children of Judah were indulging in. They would rob the poor. They would covet their field. They would do all these criminal things and yet what they would do is we will come to that a little later uh, in fact in in chapter 3 it starts off like this it says here now heads of Jacob now this is speaking to the rulers to the elders and it says is it not for you to know justice you who hate good and love evil you tear off the skin from them and eat and and their flesh from their bones who eat the flesh of my people strip off their skin from them break their bones and chop them as for the pot and as meat in a kettle. God is using really harsh words on, on, on the elders. He's saying that you elders, you're actually eating your own sheep instead of taking care of them. And if you come to verse 11, chapter 3 and verse 11, it says, Her leaders pronounced judgment for a bribe, which means justice was not being meted out. Her priests instruct for a price. The priests who are supposed to be in God's service, they are wicked. They are not offering the right kind of sacrifices. They are, they, are, they, are, they, are, they are teaching the wrong things by accepting money. And her prophets divine for mercy, yet they lean on the Lord saying, is, it not, is not the Lord in our midst? So they want to do all the wicked things that they do, and yet they want to believe that God is in their midst. Let's also look at uh, um, chapter 6. And verses uh, 6 to 8. Chapter 6 and verses 6 to 8. It says, With what shall I come to the Lord and bow myself before, before God on high? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings, with yearling calves? Does the Lord take delight in thousands of rams, in 10,000 10, rivers of oil? Shall I present my firstborn for my rebellious acts, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And listen to verse 8. It says, He has told you, O man, what is good? But what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? God is not interested in our rituals, in our mourning, in, 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 in anything that we do if we have not repented and if we have not corrected our ways. Then it's as good as a dead ritual. Let's also look at uh, another book. Let's look at the book of Amos. Now Amos is written to the northern kingdom, to the children of Israel. And if you look at Amos chapter 2 and verses uh, 6 to 7, it says, Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Israel and for four, I will not revoke its punishment, because they sell the righteous for money and the needy for a pair of sandals. And it, says, it further says, Though these who pant after the very dust of the earth on the head of the helpless, look how wicked they are. And also turn aside the way of the humble, and a man and his father resort to the same girl, speaks of sexual immorality, 
in order to profane my holy name. This is the kind of sin that they were indulging in. And if you further look at Amos chapter 5 and verse 10 to 12, it says, They hate him who, rep who reproves in the gate, and they abhor him who speaks with integrity. So they didn't want to listen to anybody who told them the truth. And verse 11 says, Therefore, because you impose heavy rent on the poor, they were extorting the poor. They exact and exact a tribute of grain from them. Though you have built houses of well-hewn stones, these guys are living well. Okay? Yet, you will not live in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, yet you will not drink their wine. God is saying that he's going to frustrate all their plans because of the wicked actions that they have been indulging in. And further, when we come to uh, verse 22 of Amos chapter 5, it says, even though, now with all these wicked indulgences that they had, they still continue to offer sacrifices. Now verse 22, it says, even though you offer me, offer up to me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them. And I will not even look at the peace offerings of your fatlings. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not even listen to the sound of your harps. Your songs and your acts of worship, no, I don't want to listen. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. God wants them to set their lives in order first before they come to him with prayers or with any kind of offering. Okay, let's look at uh, one more book, the previous, uh, the previous book in the Bible, which is the book of Joel. So let's look at Joel chapter 2. This is one of, the, one of my favorite verses. Joel chapter 2 and the latter part of verse 11 onwards. It says, the day of the Lord is indeed great and very awesome. And who can endure it? Yet even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart and with fasting, weeping and mourning. Okay, listen to this. And then it says, and rent your heart and not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Now in, in, in that period, when people wanted to show that they mourned, they would uh, tear their clothes and they would uh, put on sackcloths, put on ashes and maybe even go sit in the city square to show that they are weeping and mourning. But what God is telling them is to not rend your clothes, but rend your heart. Your heart must weep. You must really regret your action and you must repent. And then all your fasting and all your weeping and all of that will make sense. It says, return to me with all your heart and with fasting, weeping and mourning. And it says, but rend your heart and not your garments. So what God is really looking at from his people and from us as well is that we return to him in repentance. Now let's go back to Zechariah chapter 7. We read till verse 7. We go to verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to Zechariah saying, thus has the Lord of hosts said, dispense true justice and practice kindness and compassion each to his brother. Do not oppress the widow or the orphan, the stranger or the poor, and do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. And then it says, but they refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears from hearing. If you look at it, they keep going back into the same sin over and over and over again. 
In fact, after they came back from the exile, if you read the book of Ezra, you will notice that these people went back to marrying foreign women. And then Ezra had to intervene. If you, if you come to the book of Malachi, you will notice that they started, uh, they, their priests had issues. They, they were not uh, giving to the Lord by way of tithes. They were again going back to all the issues that they already had. Now that's the tendency of human, human, human beings. We tend to slip into our sin constantly. Suddenly when we are faced with, with, uh, with grief or suddenly when we are faced with some kind of an epidemic or, uh, or, 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 or some kind of tension, we run to God. But then we soon forget and we go back to our evil ways. And that is what God is so upset about here, especially with the children of Israel, as we can see here. And it says, but they refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears from hearing. It's almost like they waxed their ears and they just didn't want to listen to people. We just saw some instances of how God was warning them, but yet they didn't want to listen to him. And verse 12 says, they made their hearts like flint so that they could not hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore, great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. How many times, isn't our God so patient? How many times did he give these people a chance? How many times has the Lord given us a chance? He's given us warnings. Several messages spoken in the church, the cell group meetings, the Bible, you have podcasts, you have stuff on YouTube. We are exposed to so much of good stuff. And hasn't God been reminding us over a period of time to change from our ways? It's for each of us to look into our own lives to see what is that warning from God which I have not heeded? And have I truly repented? Or am I just slipping into the same sin over and over and again? And when confronted with a situation like this, I again run back to God. Verse 13 says, And just as he called and they would not listen, so they called and I would not listen. So it's almost like God is saying, uh, you know, it's, it's like payback time. You know, when I warn you, you don't listen. And now you want me to listen to you? In fact, uh, in Psalm 66 and verse 18, it says that if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. So if we have sin in our heart, the Lord will not listen to our prayers and he does not want our offerings. He does not want our sacrifices either. And verse 14 says, But I scattered them with a storm wind among all the nations whom they had not known. Thus the land is desolated behind them, so that no one went back and forth, for they made the pleasant land desolate. God gave them pleasant land. God gave them a land which was flowing with milk and honey. God sustained them. God threw out all the, all, all, all the tribes and all the other people who were occupying that land. And God gave this land to his people, and yet... They forsook the Lord and God actually had to scatter them and God actually had to allow other nations to come and occupy this, occupy the land. So church, what is it that we can do today? What is it that the Lord is trying to remind us? Are we like these people? Are we running to him with, with our rituals? Are we running to him with certain sacrifices when our lives are not in order? We might not be doing anything which is grossly sinful, especially in the eyes of the, the, the world outside, but we know where we are at fault. How has 
our secret lives been? How has our thought life been? Have we been pure in our minds? Have we truly been loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul and mind? Have we been really spending time with the word of God and seeking his favor and trying to understand what God is trying to teach us? Or are we going back to our same sins over and over and over again? How many times should the Lord be warning us? How seriously have we taken the gathering of the church or the meetings of the church? Of course, that can again become a ritual by itself. Now, you don't attend meetings. If you attend all these meetings, you can of course show to the external world that you're doing well, but again, that's going to become a ritual. But have we truly identified the sinful areas in our lives and repented and then fellowshipping with the church. Why are we fellowshipping with the church? Why are we interested in CBF as a church? Are we com coming to CBF because it is a cool contemporary church to hang out with that I can tell people that I go to CBF? Is that why we go to church? Or are we going to church knowing that this is the place God has allowed me to be or ordained for me to be so that I can minister and I can be ministered as well. How are we as, uh, as neighbors in our neighborhood? Have we been helping our neighbors? How have we been in our workplaces? Do we do a shoddy job or do we work like we work for God? And have we been faithful stewards in our workplace? How have we been as husbands? Are we taking care of a spouse and God has told us that we are supposed to emulate Christ by even giving up our life. Where are we on that? How are we as wives loving our husbands? How are we towards our children? Are we taking the responsibility to bring them up in the fear and nurture of our Lord? And as children, how are, how are you guys doing? Have you been obeying your parents as it is commanded in the word of God? Or are you like frustrated? Oh man, how many times do I have to listen to the same thing over and over and over again? Yeah, that's because you are sinning. And all of us are sinning. Like how the example of the Israelites show us. And some of us might be so eager to, to, uh, to read the word of God, understand the word of God. But are we allowing the word of God to really penetrate deep and bring about that change in our lives. Now, if all of this is not being done, and if we are just focusing on, on, on just going to church, partaking of the Lord's table, attending meetings, if we're just doing that without a real change happening in our lives, then we are no different from the children of Israel or from the children of Judah. God is really calling us to repentance. And, and now during this time when we are all locked down and we are shut at home, there's a lot of time for us to reflect. But even in these times, when we see someone in need, are we willing to help? Are we willing to pray? Are we willing to support certain people financially or even, or, or, or even by way of doing things? It's time for all of us to really look into our lives. And let's really pray that once this season is over, that as we step out into the world physically, we can really be the salt and light in this world. Let's not be ritualistic Christians because 
that's the most easiest thing to do. We can always run back to our rituals and we can give ourselves that feeling that we are doing okay and we are doing the right thing for God. But God rejected them. And like we read in Joel, you know, let's rend our hearts and not our clothes. That, that, that's the key verse for today. That let's rend our heart and not our clothes. And uh, how do we know if we have truly repented? Now, once you identify the areas in your life that, that, that you've been constantly failing, you need to ask yourself, does this repeated sin worry me? Has it been really bothering me? And I hope that sin is bothering you. And if your sin has caused hurt to someone else, to your family members, to your friends, to your neighbors, to your well, to people in your workplace, you know, have you made amends for that? Like we read about uh, Zacchaeus, you know, he made amends. He, he, he gave back what he robbed and he gave back even more. So we need to make amends because that's the sign of true repentance. And then have you changed your behavior? People should see a behavioral change in you. And if there are secret sins, God should, should see that your behavior and your attitude has changed from within. And then you're growing more into the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's all I have to say, folks. I hope uh, all of this made sense uh, because, uh, because when I was reading it, it made a lot of sense to me as well and it was speaking to me personally. And I hope this message goes a small way in challenging each one of us and may his name be glorified. I'll just close with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for this time. Lord, we thank you for allowing us to hear from your word. We pray, O oh Lord, that we would not be ritualistic Christians, but we would be those who would follow you with all our heart, soul and mind. And we pray that you would give us grace to identify the areas in our life where we need to correct ourselves, Lord, and where we need to where we need to confess and make ourselves straight, Lord, before we come to your presence with our prayers and with our offerings. And we pray that during the season where we are all locked down, that you would cause us to think and reflect on our lives so that once the season is over, we can be out in the world and we can make a difference, Lord, and that you would be able to use us for your name's glory. Thank you, Father. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.